to the blessed noble and perfectly enlightened one. Namo Saranto Suche Doye Elahodi San Miao Samputo Sye. Namo Tagnakta Toya Daya Alahade Tamil Tambo Datoa. The unsurpassed Profound, subtle, and wonderful Dharma in a hundred thousand million aeons is difficult to encounter. Now that I've come to receive and maintain it within my sight and hearing, I vow to fathom the thus come one's true and actual meaning. O Buddhas and Bodhisattvas, Venerable Six Patriarch, Venerable Shenhua, uh, all good advisors, Amitofo. Today is the 24th of uh, June, uh, the last weekend of June for here, uh, the temple, for the month. And uh, we gathered here in Rosemead, California to discuss the uh, Vasha Sutra. We are on slide 198. Um, The Buddha just explained in the the section, the Buddha says uh, we should not attach to uh, neither dharma or non-dharmas. And there's an anecdote uh, of emptying the self. Um, During the Tang Tang Dynasty, the emperors uh, Su Zhong and his uh, and his uh, son uh, 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 quelled trouble in in the uh, mountain and established the uh, dynasty. And Dai Zhong, the son, was a great downward protector. And at that time, uh, the secret school came to China and Buddhism prospered. Um, uh, Dai Zhong uh, enjoys learning about Buddhism, and therefore he. Uh, uh, would often meet with national master Zhong to discuss about Buddhism. Uh, 
One day, as they were discussing, the, uh, an official named Yu Chao En uh, was on the side, listening in, and um, he um, uh, offered his, uh, to comment. He says, the Buddha uh, indicated that all living beings are Buddhas. Then where did, did ignorance come from? And the National Master Zhong said, you don't, you don't deserve to ask this question. And Yu Chao En uh, was extremely upset and dare not say anything in the presence of the king. How come I don't... Uh, this is not updated. Uh, hmm. And he, um, he, uh, but he, um, uh, he barely could contain himself because his face showed extreme anger. And the National Master Zong uh, looked at him and said, ignorance, ignorance arises from this. So that's the uh, quote about uh, emptying yourself. You, you, um, um, I'm sorry. No. What does it mean? What does it stand for? I don't, and there's no Vietnamese here today, so I'm not. I'm, I skipped the Vietnamese translation for the sake of uh, of speed. But then uh, Kim Dieng is going to have a hard time transcribing this because I'm relying on transcription to <laughs> to uh, to explain this uh, sutra. You know, the past sutras. What happened is that I will explain the sutra, and years later uh, I would have to uh, uh, to transcribe it and. Uh, I don't remember what I explained. In fact, I explained it to you in the, fo- the following day. I would forget about all my lectures. Uh, I only said things I, uh, that I want to forget. You will. And um, so in the past, all my sutra lectures, all my sutra books are, are, are uh, kind of out of sync with my actual lectures. And uh, I would then depend on the, the Master Shenhua's books and then, and then my notes. So, uh, so I use, uh, uh, so for this Vasha Sutra, uh, Kim Diyung has been uh, extremely, extremely kind. She transcribed all my lectures. And I, uh, now I use her transcription to explain this sutra. So I need to, uh, and it's extremely beneficial because uh, I say things in a lecture that are not from the notes. So uh, a lot of information were lost in the past uh, few years because um, um, in, in, the, in, the, in the actual uh, explanation of the sutra, because I don't remember what I said. So this time, um, um, I think uh, I should try to go to the Vietnamese, even though she's not here, because I, she's at the CTTB right now, uh, participating in the uh, uh, Master uh anniversary celebration up there. Uh, so 
Uh, let me trans explain this in Vietnamese, you don't mind. Uh, yeah, that would, would, would save time, yes. Mm. All right. Mm. Okay. So, okay, fine. Let's do that then. And we don't, uh, you know, you don't need to translate into Vietnamese. I, I need one kind of transcription to kind of tell me what I, you know, what I, to record what I explain the sutra. Because mm. it turns out I prepared this sutra like two years ago more than two years ago. And uh, uh, so I, I don't remember a lot of things I thought back then as well. So, um, all right. So the question here is, there is a official, an official who is pretty wise, who's been following uh, Buddhism, learning about Buddhism, and... Um, so he says, uh, so his question is, is, uh, is, uh, makes sense. He says, if all, Buddha, all livings are Buddhas, then, then where is this ignorance that you keep on talking about? And when he asked that, the national master looked at him uh, and said, you don't deserve to ask this. Okay. And because uh, he could not contain his anger, he showed his anger, which is kind of uh, rare for a court official, when you think about that. Have you thought about the fact that the court officials become court officials because they're very good in protocols, they're very good with, with the sensitive about the etiquette. There's certain behavior that you observe, right? Certain protocol that you observe, which is... Um, which is, uh, as you get older, uh, you know, uh, culturally, I, I grew up in, in the Western way, where Western system, where I emulated the Westerners by, uh, by simplifying the etiquette and protocols. As you get older, as you get older and become more exposed to the Italians and the Japanese and the, and the, uh, the Chinese, you know, uh, and the Vietnamese and so on, you realize that there are certain protocols in different culture. Even the Westerners have certain protocols. Take, for example, take the example of the, uh, of, uh, the Brit uh, British monarchy. They're very heavily heavy in rituals and protocols. So you see that, that, that so, so, and I'm, as I get older, I realize that all these rituals and protocols are the important part of the communication process. If you're not sensitive, you offend some people. They will, not, they will never forgive you. You violate those protocols. <laughs> okay? So it's part of a learning process that, 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 uh, that, you, you, that you, you need to learn and be sensitive to. And so this particular official here, a high-level official, to be able to stand next to the king when he talks, when he discusses the principle principles of Buddhism to his, his teacher. So this official is, 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 is superior, is very, very, very wise person and very uh, high-level person. So he must know a lot about protocols. So for him to show anger his face is very unusual. 
Don't you think? Hmm? So the natural master looked at him and said, Ignorance, ignorance arises from it. So what does it stand for? Hmm? What do you think? You don't know. The Buddha says, I don't know. Yes. Yes? What does it stand for? Does it anger? Is it refer does it refer to anger? Is that what your question is? Okay. Yeah. Does it arise from anger? Does ignorance arise from anger? No, it doesn't. Anger is a form of ignorance. Right? Okay? So what does it here refer to? This is a national master. He must... Yes? That's right. Precisely. Very good. Good thing you disappear, Randy, because you came back a much better person. <laughs> Keep yourself busy. <laughs> Very good. This is the beautiful thing about these Chan stories. You don't deserve to ask here is actually the answer to his question. Okay? Uh, Okay. So what's the meaning of you don't deserve to ask then, Randy? I get that he was Precisely. The point here is that this guy is a scholar. I didn't tell you that. You could guess that this guy must be a scholar for him to be able to stand there and listen into the, the king's conversation. Don't you think? He, most of these officials are scholars anyway. They pass the imperial examination. Usually most of them pass the imperial examination. Okay? To be able to be nominated to the court. And then to be able to sit there, stand there, and, and, and participate in the king's discussion of Buddhism is, is, must be a scholar. So, so without, without, you know, though all those are, are, are reasonable deductions from, from, that, from the detail of this story. That's not, doesn't have to be written up. Okay? So this is a scholar guy. And if a scholar asks you a question, you engage, if you engage in the scholar's question, you will engage in intellectual discussions. Okay? When you engage in a debate, it's, it's rather lengthy. Okay? It's not a very Chan spirit. So this natural master there here decided to get to the bottom of it right away. 
by doing what? by showing where ignorance is. Okay? The ignorance resides in the ego. As long as you have the ego, you have ignorance. Right? So the beautiful thing about the answer is you don't deserve the question. You don't deserve to ask it. Is in that in the answer is that it shows ego is a source of ignorance. Okay, and you don't get it. You don't even realize your ego is the source of your ignorance. Okay? Is it clear? So in one question, he, he gives you the answer at the same time, uh, at the same time, it, it, he, he, he showed this guy he gives him the proof as well. Does it make sense? So, uh, by my, my fun about this story, the fun part of, for me about this story is that um, the, it's very not uncommon for the Chan teachers when they teach. They have to resort to offending you. Okay, so um, that's how often uh, it occurs when the Chan teachers teach the pupils to resort to offending people because uh, the, the offense points out uh, where, where, where people are stuck. And, and if, if people cannot uh, recover from 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 that that uh, that that anger, they 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 cannot they cannot uh, make further progress. Okay, so it's a kind of kind of uh, um, kind of brutal way uh, to teach, but sometimes it's necessary. And there's some people who who who. Uh, who um, who um, who uh, who get it, and they 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 pass the test. Okay. Um, example. I remember um, Master Lin Ji who is the 
founder, the patriarch, the first patriarch of our lineage, my lineage, the Linji lineage that I, I earned, that I got from my Vietnamese master. Uh, today is Master Shen Hua, my Chinese teacher's um, anniversary. So I talked about him this morning, and it's fair that I talk a little bit about my Vietnamese master as well, because I do have half of my, half of my bloodline came from the Vietnamese as well, which uh, traces its, uh, its, uh, its um, roots back to the Chinese Linji, the uh, Chan Master Linji. Uh, of, that's my lineage, okay, my bloodline uh, for the Chan school. And uh, Master Linji uh, was actually um, well known for founding this Linji school. Uh, I think it's known in Japan as a Soto, the Soto uh, Zen school. Rinzai, I'm sorry, not, not Soto, thank you. The Rinzai. Uh, Linji is very close to uh, Rinzai. Rinzai. The, the Rinzai, the Rinzai uh, lineage of, uh, of uh, meditation of Chan in, in uh, of Zen in Japan is uh, is linked uh, is uh, traces roots back to Master uh, Linji as well, Master Rinzai as well, and um, and they're known for their uh, brutal and uh, uh, ways of teaching. They, they're known for beating, for shouting, for screaming, for being real brutal, for, for beating up the students. Okay. So, uh, Master, Master Linji, Master Rinzai, if you want, in, in Japanese, uh, was, um, was still going on around on arms balls, arms rounds. And uh, he would stop in a house, uh, at the typical house, that is uh, that he has been there before, so uh, he and, and which he often stops by, and then one day he uh, he held his uh, his uh, his, uh, his arms ball there, and he says, "Today, can I have uh, uh, double the ration, the normal ration?" So the lady who answered the, the door, the doorbell, looked at him and said, boy, this sounds vulgar, so greedy. So Master Linji says, how can there be greed and vulgarity when I don't see food, when, when food is not seen as food? And the lady uh, Slam the door shut on him. Okay? So the story, um, what does it mean? Yeah. It means that Master Linji uh, goes to the arms, uh, you know, typically, typically when, when the, the, back then, when the monks go on, on the begging for food, they usually change routes. They, they rarely go the same routes. And it's not like nowadays where uh, when if we were to go out on begging for food, we'd probably come back empty-handed because people would think we're crazy or we're some kind of parasites. Yes? Zen group that goes to the food market in downtown 
uh-huh. uh, once a week, and they just like hold out bags, and they get quite a lot of food that way. Like people, really, the, the, the truckers that they just donate old stuff. Hey, hey, Xian Chun, you hear that? You know, now you have something to do on on the weekend. She's she's sleeping. I see. She worked too hard. I mean, she, 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 she worked her butts off this morning preparing lunch for the temple because our usual uh, cooks, they, went to the, all, they all went to the CTTB. So Sien Shun learned this morning firsthand what, how it feels like to have no help whatsoever. <laughs> preparing food. Actually, the Chinese, our Chinese neighbor helped out a little bit. So where is this now? In downtown somewhere, there's these places where the trucks of food come in and then they distribute it to people. So, I don't know. I can find Is that out. vegetarian food or, or? They get, yeah, they get vegetarian stuff for the temple. With too. onion and garlic, I'm sure. Well, they just get raw ingredients, whatever. Vegetables, I don't know, whatever. Ah. Cooked food or just? No, uh, no, just raw. Just uh, raw. Hey, Xianxuan, you see? You have to drive downtown uh, LA uh, next weekend and get some food. We're very lucky, actually. Every Friday, there's some kind, some unknown Dharma protector who stops by every Friday and brings us food. So, it uh, has been going on for years now. It's incredible that, um, that um, uh, people are, some, some people have the, 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 um, the uh, giving spirit they just give, and we don't even know their name, we don't even know who they are. They just come by every Friday, top of food, and leave. And uh, anyway, so yeah, uh, we should you should find out what it is, and so that we can tell people, so that they they can uh, the other temples they can go and get the food if they like. Anyway. So you typically in the old you know, nowadays we'd have a hard time going out and on the arms on begging for food because because the the culture is not there. But in India in 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 China back then in in the, in the uh, patriarchs old patriarchs times they can they can go begging for food and they have plenty of, of donors uh, they shouldn't have any problems. Uh, uh, so they, they they rarely go through the same the same path again, okay. But this uh, and this uh, patriarch uh, Rinzai Linji, he he stopped by that house uh, uh, quite a few times, and then one day he decided, you know, can I have double the ration today, please? And the woman the woman immediately uh, reacted to that and said, you're so greedy and vulgar. That's the same thing. You don't deserve this, this offering. So, so, so he explained to her. So what's, what happens? Okay. The reason he came back is because he found this woman here to have some potential. Okay? So every time he comes and she makes an offering to him, okay, he observes her and says, okay, she's better today. And so on and so on. And then that one day he decided to teach her. Right? So he put, in order to teach, okay, whatever is taught, okay, it usually comes in the form of a test. 
to verify you get it. Okay. And so the test, he says, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask for more uh, twice the duration, twice the offering, portions. And how she reacted. So what did she do? She reacted to it right away. So she failed the test right away. Right? The thing about the Chan test is that you take it, you don't react. You get that, Roberta? No matter what people say, you don't react to it. If you react to it, you say, uh, this, is, this is so mean. then you fail the test right away. If you really have samadhi power, no matter what people say or do, you have no reaction to it. You are thus, thus unmoving. You get it? Okay? Does it make sense? You don't react. Does this woman reacted? She says, you're so greedy and so vulgar. You're unworthy to be a monk, basically. Okay? What am I doing giving you food? Right? And so he found himself having to explain to her. He says, how can you call it greed and vulgar if food is not seen as food? So his, his man is very kind. His monk is very kind. He says, you're wrong. Okay? You're seeing it as food. I don't see it as food. You're seeing it as twice the offering. I don't see it as twice the offering. Whether you offer zero, you offer twice as much, or three times as much, it's the same to me. You get it? And what does she do? She reacted further, didn't she? She slams the door on him. Okay? The point is the same point here. Ignorance arises from it. Meaning what? There's an ego who's offended. And the ego who still finds, who still decides, and discriminates between right and wrong. I am right, you are wrong. And that's what the ego does. And that's ignorance. Before that, before you even get to that point of right and wrong, okay, there is a tendency of the ego to find faults. That habit energy of finding fault in others. Okay? And that is underlying, uh, under the, un, uh, lying underneath the propensity to judge people. It's very subtle. When you cultivate long enough, you meditate long enough, you recite the mantras long enough, you reach a point where you see that the tendency, you understand that there's a tendency to find fault in others. We enjoy finding fault in others. It's called arrogance. You think superior, 
when we find faults in others, aren't we superior? And then we justify that tendency by judging others. You say, I am right, you are wrong. I know you are wrong. Okay, that is ignorance. That's why you see these people who are always commenting about people's faults, people's right and wrong. Okay? It's the manifestation of arrogance and ignorance. Then some people might raise the question. But Master, you're always doing that. If I don't do that, there's no Dharma to talk about. I'm different. Do what I say, don't do what I do, okay? Any questions about this? Is it clear now, the question? Ignorance arises from it? All right, 199, that's the Chinese version of that. Uh, Chinese version of that, and the one, uh, 200 is the uh, Vietnamese version of that, of this story, and slide 201. This is the, the last part of the, uh, the sixth section, which, which uh, says proper belief is rare. Um, regarding this, that principle, the Tathagata often says, all you bhikshus should know that the Dharma which I speak is like a raft. Even Dharma should be relinquished, how much the more so non-Dharmas. Uh, 主我说法如干法如法如法如法如法如法如法如法如法如法如法如法如法如法如法如法如法如法如法如法如法如法如法如法如法如法如法如法如法如法如法如法如法如法如法如法如法如法如法如法如法如法如法如法如法如法如法如
you need a vehicle that you you must use to uh, to cross the uh, the ocean uh, so the raft is like a dharma it's just just that vessel that you use to cross the, the that river of birth and death uh, and so before before you have ended birth and death you need to use that raft you need to use those various uh, means uh, to cultivate uh, to make it through the river okay and once uh, and, and it says and the buddha says even dharma should be relinquished how much more so non-dharmas uh, and once uh, you cross over the sea of birth and death, uh, then you should no longer be attached to your means of crossing, the means you use to cross over that raft. Okay? If you don't drop it, then you still are attached to that raft or to the Dharma you use to cross over. This is a very important concept in Buddhism, folks, because unlike, unlike uh, the uh, non-Buddhist teachings, who, who, uh, which, um, which, um, which um, advocate accumulation, Buddhism is about uh, letting go. It's about about uh, uh, dropping. Okay. For example, is is in Buddhism is never meant for you. Let's say to acquire. Uh, let's say um, spiritual penetrations. The emphasis is never to obtain spiritual penetrations. Okay. Uh, for example, when you. Uh, practice these mantras, these tantric dharmas like the Tibetans do, they end up uh, developing a lot of spiritual penetrations. So do the externalist path, such as uh, the yogis and the Hindus. They also develop a lot of spiritual penetration. And they, over the, and they are incredible when you have these spiritual penetrations. You have these knowledges and special abilities that are very, very special and highly, highly regarded. You can't help but be, become proud, become attached to these, these processes. And as a result, as a result uh, over, the, over, the, over time, they somehow become, yeah, become, become the end goal. Okay? They don't realize that all these things have occurred naturally as part of your progress. There's no need to be attached to them, okay? And that's only in Buddhism where you find that we stress since day one the proper dharma, the, the, the Chan spirit, Mahayana spirit is always about helping you detach. It's not about hoarding, it's not about accumulating at all, okay? So we, uh, we don't emphasize, uh, we don't emphasize spiritual penetration, we don't emphasize Gains, you don't emphasize um, advantages. We emphasize wisdom. 
Wisdom is about letting go. Okay? We, wisdom is about the ability to drop and to be free and to uh, stop the suffering. Okay, any questions or comments? Okay, 205. There's a series of questions and answers to help clarify this a little bit. Remember the context is that, is that dharma should be re- relinquished. Uh, so much more non-dharmas. Okay? So the question is, if we should grasp at neither extremes, neither dharmas and non-dharmas, then there is no need to practice giving because wouldn't that be attaching to dharmas? Uh, I don't know where to get this answer from. It's, uh, it's, uh, uh, I think um, I, I read the question here in Chinese somewhere, and the Chinese answer is very long. And so I didn't like, quite like the answer, so I gave my own answer here. So the question is from um, a, uh, a Chinese source. Okay? The question here uh, is uh, from uh, an explanation of this uh, sutra. From, from a Chinese patriarch. And I didn't quite like the answer. I, th- I found it too lengthy and not, too, and not direct enough. So I, I gave my own answer. Uh, I said, you are wrong. Uh, uh, you don't practice giving. Uh, isn't that grasping to non-dharmas? Uh, you hear this a lot. People, people, says, people say that that since um, there's nothing to be attached to, then why bother practicing giving? Why bother cultivating at all? And, and the question is, is um, if you don't, if you don't, uh, the answer is if you don't uh, practice, then aren't you attaching to non-practicing? 206. Uh, yes. Yes. Come again. You attach to not Right. 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 No, Dharma here, that's why I've been, I've been spending time to change it to a capital D. That's a good point. That's why I noticed there's a subtlety here that could be confusing to some people. Dharma is here with a capital D is a short for Buddha Dharma. A Buddhist Dharma. That's right. Meaning that if you talk about Dharma, what is a Dharma, first of all, with a capital D? 
the Dharma is something that the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas teach, taught us to help us and so for us to use as a raft across over the sea of birth and death. That's what a Dharma is for. So far, so good. What is non-Dharma then? Non-Dharma is something that's not taught by the Buddhas and the Bodhisattvas. Right. Everything is a dharma with a with a, with a small d. Okay. I'm sorry. Right. 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 Okay. Okay. So far, so good. Are we Are we clear on this? Dharmas and non-dharmas. So is, this quite, is it clear now? If you don't practice the dharma, aren't you attaching the non-dharmas? So the question people will ask, most men people will ask you is that if everything is empty anyway, it, everything we must detach from everything, then why do we bother cultivating? And, the re, and then the reply is, You're attached to non-dharmas. That's all you are. You are attached to non-practicing. That's the real reason. And you don't even see it. Okay? 206. The question is, I understand I should not attach to dharma marks. But if I don't attach to dharma, such as the six paramitas, then how can I cultivate? And this helps clarify further the point about dharmas and non-dharma. That's why you have a series of three questions and answers here for you. Uh, the answer to this question is we use six parameters as a boat, as a raft, to cross over to the other shore. Okay? So in essence, the Buddhists and Bodhisattvas are teaching us to be attached to. As they're saying, it's okay to attach these, to these expedient means. It's okay to attach the boat. But the teaching is, does, is not done there. The teaching is not complete. Unless it says, you attach the boat. Okay? But once you get over to the other shore, you have to drop the boat. There's no need to carry the boat anymore. And that's what you find to be uh, the, the nature of the Buddhist teaching. They tell you to attach to something, to eventually tell you not to attach to it. That's the only way to teach Buddhism, by the way. By presenting both sides at the same time. Well, eventually, not at the same time. Okay? 207. The question, Cole says, it's called wonderful dharma because both dharma and non-dharma must be relinquished. But isn't that rather confusing? 
And the answer says, uh, both the Dharma and non-Dharma cannot be spoken. Uh, so aren't you, isn't it wonderful that the Buddha found a way to express them? And uh, you should have faith. Continue, keep at it, uh, continue to meditate, continue to work, continue to practice. You eventually get uh, the message. Uh, meaning that you keep it up and you too will eventually understand how wonderful the Buddha Dharma really is. You know, there's a, the, the point here is not so much about understanding. Okay. Because the question here, isn't it rather confusing? Confusing is that this person has a hard time understanding the Buddha Dharma. And the Buddha Dharma is not about understanding. You cannot possibly comprehend the Buddha Dharma or the teaching its entirety at one shot. The Buddha's teaching is by layers. For example, when the Buddha taught uh, uh, the four, four noble truths to the first five bhikshus, when they heard it, they became enlightened. They became ahats. They be, didn't become enlightened. They, be, they awakened and they became ahats. After the Buddha finished speaking the Four Noble Truths, the Four Noble Truths are, this is suffering. There is accumulation. There is the way. And there is extinction. Okay? So, the Four Noble Truths are suffering, accumulation, the way, leading to extinction. Okay? When the, the five bhikshus, when the bhikshus heard of, heard the end of the sermon, the three turnings of the four noble truths, they became ahats. Okay? Then people, people, then later on, people ask you know, if, if the, is, that, is that Hinayana, Mahayana? And often people would say that actually it's Hinayana. It's not Mahayana. They're wrong. Actually, it's Mahayana. Okay. Because all Mahayana principles are also contained within the Four Noble Truths as well. Okay. It's it, it just that uh, it needs further elaboration. And, and um, uh, if the bhikshus, the five bhikshus, uh, continue to cultivate, they too will understand Mahayana. Okay? Any questions or comments? All right, so in order to understand, you must walk the walk. You can't, you can't, you can't expect to understand uh, further unless you do something about it, you, you take actions. So the, the Buddha's, uh, the, the training process, the training process is about pointing you, the teaching, the Buddha's teaching, 
or the training of the patriarchs is about pointing out what you need to do next. It's about suggesting to you what you ought to consider doing. I was uh, watching the videos, uh, the, the broadcast on the internet yes, uh, yesterday afternoon. I, I look at that and say, hmm, how come this monk keeps on appearing in the picture? So my, 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 my reaction is that he should not sit there. And when you, when, when you look, when, when, when to the third person, I was talking to, to, to Danny, I said, so, and to the third person who, who, who listens to it, the reaction is, gee, I'm, I'm, I'm jealous or I'm making a comment that's, that's irrelevant. No, the comment is very relevant to me because the comment is meant to help him. Not only him, but his colleagues. Because his colleagues should have told him that. He said, don't sit there anymore. Okay? So, the fact that they don't, they don't even make the suggestion tells you that, that either they don't care or they don't know how to help you. The, the teaching is about pointing you, bringing you to the point where you have to decide, are you going to do it or are you not going to do it? If you don't do it, you are stuck where you are right now. You will still insist on knowing that you are right and someone else is wrong. Okay? You are happy with that decision, that's your life. We will respect that. But if you are willing to be more humble, and recognize that there's something you don't understand here. You need to take a chance and walk through there, okay? To walk through that gate, walk through that wall, walk, be willing to confront your own weakness, your own suffering, so that you can understand, okay? Then you have a chance to break through your confines. So, it's not about helping you understand. It's not about helping you comprehend. It's about helping you break through your own walls, all four walls you put yourself, uh, uh, you, that you surround yourself with. Your ego surrounds yourself with. And the, the good knowing advisor's role is to point you to that door, to give you that escape, to give you that raft. Is it clear? So that's, that's uh, what is meant by keeping it up. Keep it up. Keep walking. Keep at it. Eventually you get it. Instead of passing judgment, instead of deciding that you know everything and that you're so sure of yourself. Okay? All right, any questions or comments? So, the, the, my, my point yesterday is, I, I, and later on I had to tell Danny, I said, you know, I know, you know, I know it sounds like, it sounds like, a, like a, I'm, I'm, I'm making a comment uh, that's kind of arrogant, but I said, no, it's meant, all the comments are meant to help people understand. And not only 
I didn't explain it to him yesterday, uh, not only to that monk, but also to his colleagues, his, his uh, co-cultivators. They're supposed to help him. None of my business. But they're supposed to help him understand that. Unless they help him say, don't walk through that, don't cross that line, they will not, he will not be able to understand. He'll keep on making the same mistake over and over and over again. Is it clear? And the good knowing advisor is helping you cross that, go through that gate, or help you not go through the wrong gate. Okay? All right. 208. Final question. Why doesn't the Buddha simply say that the, this Dharma is about non-grasping? Why can't you tell me it straight? Give it to me straight. The answer is, actually it's not, it's not about non-grasping. Uh, even the Paramitas, the Great Compassion Mantra, Sitra, are just false names. To say it's non-grasping will cause grasping at non-grasping. The Buddha simply points us how, teaches us how to unravel the knots. The, this, uh, this is a third of the three questions that intellectuals and people like to understand, uh, tend to ask you. And this is why the Buddha had to spend time explaining the Vasha Sutra, the Vasha Dharma, and he spent 22 years explaining it. Okay. Yes, uh, you keep on hearing that the Vasha Sutra teaches about detaching, about non-grasping. Actually, it isn't about non-grasping. It's not about, non -deta about detaching. The name, even detaching, is just a false name. Okay? Any questions about this? Is it clear to all of you, the answer? Or are you completely lost? Or are you simply sleepy from a delicious and full lunch? and heavy lunch. <laughs> yes? Okay. The wonderful thing about the Buddha's teaching Master Shinwa is teaching because I'm, I, I go through the process and I observe how observed, how wonderful the way he taught. I'm also lucky in that I uh, received some help from other teachers as well on how I was taught. And it's the same thing, the same theme. It's about teaching you how to unravel your knots.
Okay? What does it mean unraveling the knots? This is a concept that is brought up in the uh, Shurangama Sutra. The king of, of the, uh, uh, the Bible of the Chan, the Chan, uh, the Chan, uh, the Chan uh, school. In my in my opinion, in Shrangama, the Shrangama Sutra talks about uh, untying the knots, the five knots. Why the five knots, Randy? Do you know? The Shrangama Sutra. This is a very important sutra. That's right. Absolutely. The nature of our confusion is the five knots. Okay? One knot, and the second knot, and the third knot, and the fourth knot, and the fifth knot. One on top of the other. Okay? That's why it's very difficult to undo. And those five knots are, no, are not beyond the five skandhas. The nature of the confusion is caused by the five skandhas. This is only, this is purely Buddhist technology. Non-Buddhist teaching don't have it. They don't get it. It's not, it's, it's not, cannot be imitated by the non-Buddhists because they don't get it. Okay? And, I, I, and my experience has been that when I first learned about the five skandhas, from reading everything that Master Shenhua wrote about the five skandhas in English back then. Uh, I still couldn't get it. And I couldn't get anyone explain me what those five skandhas are, were. So I went and, and, and uh, found a book about the five skandhas written by a Tibetan monk called Trungpa. Have you heard of Trungpa? Huh? A very famous Tibetan monk. I think he's deceased by now. Yeah, something like that. I think he's dead, isn't he? Yeah, he's dead. But he's very famous because he's, he's, uh, he calls himself enlightened. And people, people uh, uh, he has many followers. So he wrote a book on the five skandhas. And I read it. And I was so happy I read it. I said, finally someone explains the five skandhas to me. Why is that the Mahayana teachers don't explain it to me? Why is that Master Shino, I, I read Master Shino's uh, explanation, I don't get it. And now there's a guy who explains to me in, in more details than I could ever imagine. So I took it as my Bible and read it and read it over and over again. I was so happy that I finally understood what the five skandhas were. And a few years later, I dismissed it as garbage. Because the guy doesn't get it at all. He only talks nonsense. He, he talks as if he understands. But how do I know he doesn't know what he's talking about? The Buddha's Dharma, folks, is not about, when I explain the Buddha Dharma to you, it's not about to show up how much I know. Because it's irrelevant how much I know to you. Right? 
what I know is what I know. It doesn't do anything for you. Okay? Doesn't make you richer. Doesn't make you wiser at all. Hopefully, it makes me richer and wiser, but I have yet to see that. The point here is that when people speak Dharma, and you have to pay attention, uh, uh, I know, the people who are sleeping right now. Yeah, right. Only the people, the people who don't need to teach, they're awake. The people who are about to engage in Chan teaching and, and so on, they're dozing up, right? they're so happy. <laughs> they can be sitting in a lecture that they waited all week for it, and then they can fall asleep. <laughs> and you, don't, you, you cannot imagine, folks, when I was, when I was cultivating, how, how much I thirsted to be able to ask a question when I listen to a lecture. This is why all my lectures now are open-ended. You can talk as many, ask as many questions as you wish. You know why? Because I could not ask any questions. It bothered the heck out of me. And when I, I move away from the DRBA, which we, we used to listen to a lecture every single night, you know that? Every single night we listen to the lecture, the Master Shenhua's tapes. And then, and then we have five, ten minutes for questions in the end. So it's all structured like all for an hour and 25 minutes. It's all Master Shenhua's uh, tapes, translation, and lectures in Chinese. And you sit there and you wait for the translation. And then, and then, and then at the end, the next five or ten minutes, uh, they ask questions, and everyone is so either so eager to get out, go back to the bed. It's nine thirty, and it's a long day for all, all of us, or we forgot about what the lecture is about. Okay. If you don't get it, you don't get it right away. You have to wait five more minutes. You forget about what you don't get because you have more things you don't get, right? So what are you going to ask now? There's too many things you don't get. So I was, and, and then you have all these, uh, these people who, and, and once people, sometimes people would ask questions, and then, um, and then uh, uh, the answer is always they beat around the bush. They, uh, if there is a, there's a Dharma master there, he didn't give you a straight answer. So after a while, people don't ask questions anymore. Since after a while, people drop out, uh, drop the five or ten minutes, final five or ten minutes. Only Heng Shu would allow them to ask five or ten minutes. No one else would. Okay? So that's why when I was cultivating, I was, I was hungry for the ability, for the opportunity to ask questions. When I moved away to, uh, to the other temples and people allowed me to ask questions, I asked questions. And the answer is, it's way off the mark. Okay. So, so now, we, when we have our lectures, uh, we allow you to ask questions, and then uh, people fall asleep. This is incredible. Yeah. And this morning, I, it's just to gossip, this morning, I, I got up and... Uh, at 5, 4.05, we're supposed to have morning ceremony. No one's in the Buddha hall. <laughs> and they're still sleeping right now. Can you imagine? <laughs> 4.05, no one's in the Buddha hall. I was here. You see how wimpy I am. I don't dare say anything until there's lots of people. <laughs> okay. 
So, uh, where was I? Unraveling the knots. Okay. So, what the point of we're, we're, of our lectures, I believe in uh, lecturing the Buddha Dharma, is to help you unravel your knots. It's not about telling you how much I know. What I know is irrelevant. Okay? So that's why the question and the answers are very important to us, to me personally. Because as you listen, as you listen, you naturally have doubts, questions. And if you have the opportunity to ask them right away, then, then it makes sense to you. Then it becomes important to you. If you have questions, you have things that are not clear to you, you're not able to ask them, okay? You will forget about them. You will not, you will not, they will no longer become important to you, okay? So that's why we, we, on purpose, we allow you to ask a lot of questions. If you are awake, yes. All right, so, asking questions Hopefully, the answer we provide you will help you unravel the knots. Okay. Anyway, so this guy here, yeah. this guy Trumpa, when he explained uh, the, um, the five skandhas, he showed how much he knows about the five skandhas. So he, he, would, he, would, he would write pages upon pages about what the five skandhas are. Okay. And they're, they're total nonsense. Because uh, later on, I quickly realized the total nonsense because later on, I need to unravel the five skandhas myself. And I went back to his, I went back to his notes. I went back to his, 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 uh, his thick of a book on the five skandhas. Can you imagine someone writing this much about the five skandhas? How impressive it is. It's about the same size as, as the thickness of, uh, as my bequeath. The teaching sutra. He wrote that much about the five skandhas. So I went back to it eagerly. I said, wow, this is my chance to unravel my, my five skandhas. I found his instructions to be a, a lot of bunk because they have nothing about unraveling the knots, the five skandhas. Unraveling your knots. It's all about him. His nonsense. His garbage. The guy does not understand a thing about five skandhas. My point here is that if you really want to learn about Buddhism, folks, it's not from the books. You read the book, you will not be able to do it. You have to have a good knowing advisor who will show you how to unravel the five knots. Okay? And I, I assure you, Master Srinivas' teaching is, has the most complete instructions on how to unravel the knots, if you know how to dig it out. Hmm? Not in this sutra. This uh, Master Srinivas' explanation, this sutra is uh, not that clear about how to unravel the knots. 
Why is that? Because this sutra is not about how to unravel the knots. Not yet. Not yet. When? Uh, future sutras. Future sutras. Let me rephrase it for your sake. Um, you, if if you're cultivating for yourself, let's say you are you are um, at the first stage of cultivation, where you need to and your own birth and death, okay? Then you need very clear instructions on how to unravel the knots, okay? Uh, or you'll be guided on how to break through those, to unravel those knots, okay? One by one, okay? Uh, but and maybe, maybe there's a case where, where, where uh, you know how to do it, but the important thing about that, the first phase of your cultivation, you have to unravel the knots, okay, yourself. Okay. And once you unravel the knots, then the next level, much higher level, is to teach others how to unravel the knots. That's different. But the point here is that you need to unravel the knots before you can understand, you can, before you have true wisdom. The reason that you need to go to a Buddhist teacher okay, is because only the Buddha, so the, the Buddha, Shakyamuni, Shakyamuni Buddha, is the only teacher who taught us how to unravel the knots. No one else did. No one else can. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, for your information, I just one small time monk's opinion. Okay. Only Buddhism has the knowledge on how to do it. Okay. No one else does. So that's why eventually, eventually, uh, the, uh, the, um, it doesn't matter what you call it, okay? Uh, I, I, uh, I would quote you what I heard from yesterday's talk about uh, education, uh, 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 even uh, given by one of the monks at the, at the CTTB on the occasion of Master Shenhua's anniversary, they talk about education, and, he, and that monk quoted Master Shenhua by saying that uh, Master Shenhua says education is of critical importance if we want to propagate Mahayana, and Mahayana is not easily accepted because now most people have their own religious identity in this country already. Okay, so for for Buddhism to take hold in this country, we need to. Uh, not label it as Buddhism, but as the teaching of wisdom. 
the teaching of of uh, happiness, the teaching of uh, of um, of um, of um, what was the word, uh, Thomas? You remember the teaching of wisdom, the teaching of liberation, maybe. Yeah, I, I don't some some kind of some kind of a term, and and that way that way people will not be so resistant, will not object to it, to Buddhism. That's how it was presented to us. I heard that. And something is off to me. Right away. Do you hear what was? Do you do you know what was was wrong about that that message? If we are Buddhism is about the truth, then why do we have to disguise ourselves? It bothers me right away. Why do we have to disguise ourselves? Why can't we call it Buddhism? It bothers me right away. If I'm Buddhism is about the universal truth. Okay? And I need to disguise into something else. So, what kind of truth is this? So, it shows you the perspective of the speaker. He still sees the difference between Buddhism and, let's say, Catholicism or the non-Buddhist religions. Do you get my drift? He still see differentiation about, about, about the difference between Buddhism as we teach it versus the other religions. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. By religion. This is right. Right. This is maybe a philosophy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The the uh, 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 Buddhist philosophy or some kind of life philosophy. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yes, Randy. Precisely. Precisely. It bothers the heck out of me. Yeah. Yeah. Precisely, that's very good. Gee, what have you eaten today? Oh. <laughs> that probably helped. Huh? No brother, you don't need the five knots. And that's it. That's it. That's it. You, you can convince him, you can teach him that, then, then, then there's no need to undo your, your knots anymore. What bothers me is that still the dis- distinction between Buddhism and non-Buddhism, between the Buddhist teaching versus the other teachings, and and the fear to be able to to fear of of, of parlaying the truth, of communicating the truth, fear of rejection. Okay, it's not necessary. 
Why do you have to be afraid? The Buddha is never afraid to speak the truth. Master Shenhua can tell you the truth in such simple terms. It has nothing to do with, the, with Buddhism or non-Buddhism. It's about the truth. It's about the truth about you. Yes. I don't feel that we need to disguise ourselves. I don't feel we need to sneak in. I don't feel we need to propagate Buddhism in general. Okay? Because there is no contention. There's no, we're not trying to sneak in. We're not trying to, to conquer territory. There's, there's still fighting here. There's still, there's still a struggle between Buddhism and non-Buddhism. Buddhism is this country versus so and on. Okay? I think that's a wrong spirit. Buddhism is about coexisting with everyone else. Yes, we're Buddhist. Yes, we're different. And this is what we stand for. Okay? And you know, true Buddhism doesn't need to have a Buddhist label at all. What about it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any questions or comments? Doesn't need the label, doesn't need to be, we don't need to sneak around. We, just, we just should be proud of saying, yes, we are Mahayana, yes, we are Hinayana, yes, we are Buddhism. This is who we are, this is what we do. What's wrong with that? This is what's so great about this country, it's so open minded. What's so great about California, it's very open minded. We don't need to sneak around, we don't need to, to falsify our label, disguise ourselves at all. I disagree with that. We have to be truthful to ourselves. It's okay to be rejected. That's Buddhism. Okay? We don't need to be accepted. Are you kidding me? There's some people who never accept us, regardless of what we do. Okay? Who cares? We're still Buddhist, whether they accept us or reject us. But... To me, it's important to have a say, I'm a Buddhist label. Why? Because it puts us on the spotlight. We have to act like Buddhists. Yeah, it's not easy. But that's what, the, well, that's what cultivation is about. There's something called Buddhist standard. Okay? The Buddhist standard is that what? We don't need to sneak around. Are you kidding me? We don't need to be liked. We need to be true to ourselves. We don't need to be understood. The Buddhas and Bodhisattvas understand us. That's enough. Because we aspire to be like them. 
as long as they approve of us, it should be okay, we hope. Does it make sense? So to me, there's no need to try so hard to propagate <coughs> Buddhism or to, to, to make it so popular. We try our best, meaning that not in the sense that we must succeed. We try our best in helping others. That's all we do. Whether they get it or not is not that important. But we only try our best. We always try our best. Does it make sense, Thomas? It's, what bothers me too, the very subtle, Randy, is that there is that we need we need to succeed in our effort in propagating Buddhism. We don't need to be successful. Success is in trying hard ourselves. That's all. That's success right there already. Master Shenhuang never asked us to be successful in propagating Buddhism. Never asked that for it. Never demanded it. Yes. You are trying hard enough. Are you talking about me now? <laughs> and it costs 25 bucks. How much does it cost now per, per volume, huh? <laughs> Randy, I used, I used to buy one set of Flower Adornment Sutra at 80 bucks. Back then I had no money. I said, okay, 80 bucks is worth it because this is a treasure. Now, one book is how much? Huh? 25 to 40 bucks, right? It costs more than a textbook. And we don't mean it to be criticism, right? Uh, do we? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> thanks. Thanks a lot, Tex. Yeah. I'm trying to be neutral and observe the proper protocol here. <laughs> You're ruining it for me, <laughs> for the record. Yes. Well, yes, Thomas. I just remember somebody did mention that yesterday that they wanted to work on uh, the distribution part of. The, they they realize they're weak in that and they want to work on that. They were kind of calling for anybody that has experience in those areas to help them out. After 20 years? Are you kidding me? Yeah, no. Huh? It's been a while. He's gone like, like uh, how many years now, Randy? 18 years, right? 17 years. 17 years. And now they're talking about finding a different way of, of distributing it. Uh, something that costs about uh, 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 a sutra used to cost like a few dollars, less than $10 in my time, 20 years ago. Now it costs like 25 bucks, 30 bucks, 40 bucks. It's nicer, much nicer, that's true. But it's still free, like the, what, the one that what it cost them to print. It's still free today. They only charge more. I don't understand that, that you know, that, that, the thinking process. That's why not, I'm not buying the books anymore because... Uh, uh, because any, any, the sole reason I, I don't do it because I, I want to silently voice my protest. You know, distributing, you know, you're not making it affordable to, to people anymore. You're not propagating dar- the, the Mahayana Dharma anymore. You only make it available to people who can afford it. 
The Dharma now has a price. You know, for the, the Flower and Dormant Sutra, in volume, in chapter one, has four volumes. Now it costs more in four volumes what I used to buy for the whole set and the, for Master Shane one. I can't afford it. I tell you, I can't afford it. The Dharma is too expensive for me. Anyway, um, where are we? We get sidetracked constantly. Yes. Unraveling the knots. Uh, somebody is not sidetracked. Okay. All right. Any questions or comments? 209. In order to uh, get it, to get the message, you need repetition. Uh, you have to keep on doing it over and over again. You listen to the same thing over and over again. I did listen to Master Shenhua's uh, teachings in English, uh, and tapes, and books, many, many times over. Sometimes 30, 40 times, 50 times. And you often, in the process, of listening repetitively, uh, listening and reciting and reading it, okay? Uh, in, that process, in the process of doing that, uh, there's a natural contemplation, illuminating process that's buried in, okay? And this is not the same from the intellectual pursuit uh, of researching or debating, uh, for example, some Western religions uh, would uh, engage in debates. For example, a certain uh, cler cl clerical person would, uh, clerical people would debate uh, about the their their uh, biblical or their their scriptures, uh, and 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 point out the 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 highlight and the. The, it's um, when you when uh, it, the uh, that's not the objective of uh, the Buddhist teaching because the Buddhist teaching uh, avoids that kind of uh, discrimination. Uh, then some of you might say, "Now, how come the the sages uh, would uh, would debate each other and and and, and so on?" Right. You hear in the, 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 the Buddhist sages, the Buddhist teachers also engage in debate. What's the difference? What is the difference? Yes, Thomas. The intellectual level, are they? It's more like they're speaking right from their nature or from... The debates that I, am, I, I, I have seen and I'm aware, heard of in the other religions, and I must, uh, I must qualify this because I never was involved in one, I never witnessed one, okay? 
I only read about them and, uh, and heard about those types of, uh, of uh, procedures, uh, like, uh, like maybe the rabbis would debate each other, right? Or the, the, the scholars would debate each other uh, on, on various uh, religious faiths. And it seems to me that those types of debates are, uh, have different objectives. The objective of those debates is to show the superior, the superior knowledge, the superior understanding of one person over another. Whereas the Buddhist sages, when they debate, what it's, it's for what reason? What do you think? Hmm? The Buddhist debate is not really a debate. It's actually a teaching session. The Buddhist debate is to is from one higher level person going through what the the what unraveling. Okay? In the, the Buddhist, Buddhist debate, it's never, about, it's never about showing up knowledge. It's about helping you, helping a low-level person unravel the knots. One after another, after another, after another. Yes? Victorian is still about knowledge. It's about understanding. The Buddhist debate is about undo this knot, the next knot, the next knot. It's not about knowledge. It's not about the winner's knowledge, the winner's superior knowledge. Yes. That's right. That's right. They, the, the Buddhist sages debate actually are, 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 they tend to point out where the knots are. Okay? So, the answer to your question earlier, when do we learn about the knots? You've been learning about the knots the last four years already. You think I'll wait for four years? So, your knots are to be untied as you go along, whether you're aware of it or not. It's, no, it's not like you say, oh, here's a knot, you better untie this. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. If it's like that, then there's money that changes hands because a knot costs something, right? It's free because you don't even know it's a knot. 
Does it make sense? It's not about, you know, keeping track of the knots. The knots are there and it's done, it's untied as if it's not untied at all. That's what the teaching is about. Because if we go around and say, oh, my Mahayana teaching is about untying your knots. So, by the way, there's a membership fees for untying knots because we owe through so much <laughs> of expenses to untie your knots, right? And every month we guarantee 10 knots or that you will, will unt- help you untie, you see? So, given your membership fees, uh, it probably costs uh, 20 bucks a knot. <laughs> okay? So the knots, they're untied in Buddhism, actually. You don't, you, most of the time, you're not aware that you have knots. Why is that? Why is that, Thomas? Why is that, Randy? Because sometimes your knots are untied, you don't even know. that you even have a knot, or a knot has been untied. Why is that? Do you hear that tension or are you still sleepy? You know why you must be stressed out now? <laughs> it's, it's called teaching and yet not teaching. It's nothing being taught. The person is not even aware she's being taught. That's Mahayana. That's why, uh, that's why, that's why all of you come to the temple and say, ah, I don't need to. <laughs> that's true teaching. You're taught and yet you feel you're not taught at all. That's called teaching and yet not teaching. Okay? Uh, so the, the, um, and that's, that's, uh, that's uh, the next point, next bullet on, on slide 209. It go beyond words. Meaning that um, the wisdom, 
is as we said that like we often tell you either you get it or you don't you get it instantaneously it's not something that that you arrive at by deduction okay it's like aha it's, there's a connection in your brains that's it and then you explain it with words okay and we we ordinary people are confused about it we think that we need to 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 arrive at it through deduction, through the thinking process. It's not like that at all. Okay? So what happened is that once you understand it, then you find a way to explain it to others. And sometimes you have a hard time verbalizing it. Very often you have a hard time verbalizing what you understand. You just know it's right, it's wrong. Is this and this that? Is proper or is it improper? Is it good or is it bad? Clearly. Okay? But you have a hard time expressing that, putting that into words. Because you're not trained to put it into words yet. Okay? But you just know it's just the right thing, right? Your guts tell you, tells you, your guts tell you that it's the right direction. It's the right thing to do. You just know it, but you don't, you don't know how to justify that. And the more you think about it, the more you talk yourself out of it. Happens to you? Happens to me all the time. Okay? You know it's the right thing, and then you think about it, and you know, oh, no, no, no I'm not going to do this. <laughs> okay? So, but this is what happened to the sages. We're talking about their, the sages when they understand the principles when they open the wisdom okay and they become enlightened let's say precisely they become enlightened that knowledge there that understanding there that awakening there cannot be expressed in words okay there's no way for them to explain it to you no way Okay? So, there's no way for them to explain it to themselves even. So that's why the sages, when they meet each other, okay, they speak nonsense. That's why they chant repertoire, uh, they chant uh, exchange, they chant debate. Yeah, chant repartee. You know what repartee really means? It's probably an Italian word, no, French word. Yeah. So what happened is these, these, uh, these Tan people who are, who are enlightened, they meet each, and they see each other, and they, they talk nonsense. Okay? Uh, like, uh, let's say after a Chan, a Chan Chi, after a, a Hua Tou Chan Chi, and they have this tradition of the Grand Master interviewing you. They bring you in the room, right? You heard of this before, like Thomas? They bring to the room, this is with the tradition of this, the, the Huato, the, 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 um, the Chan, the Chan, uh, the Chan uh, approach, uh, that famous in many schools that, uh, that are immortalized by Master Master Xun. Uh, you go to a Chan Chi, you do the Huato for the whole time, at the end of the session, the, you get to see the head monk, okay? And one to one. And you go in, the head monk asks you something, 
and then you say something and then you walk out. Okay? Now, if you happen to be enlightened, okay, and the funny thing about this is that it is so famous of a tradition that many, many, many other schools also imitate that. So I'm aware of, uh, I, 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 last year I met with a monk in a big temple, a multi-million dollar temple. Uh, he, he received offerings. I, I went to his, uh, he was building a temple. And he said, oh, by the way, uh, Mr. So-and-so just sent me a check for $300,000. I said, wow, that's a lot of money. That's, I'm not sure I didn't have that much money the rest of my life. But I see he drops um, amounts of money like that since he's built so, such a big temple. And he told me about, um, about, um, about how his teacher, who is uh, supposedly a Huato person, he's a Vietnamese monk, by the way, and, um, and he, he would, uh, he would uh, uh, give him a test and have a, have a, have a chan reporté. Thank you. Is that, is that English, your American pronunciation? Yeah, okay. The French say it differently. Uh, I don't know. First of all, R-E doesn't, doesn't pronounce as Ray. Anyway, uh, at least from the, the little French I learned from my high school. Uh, um, so he, his, his uh, famous uh, Vietnamese teacher would ask him, would, would after the Chan session and after to, 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 uh, to find out how much he know. And so he asked him these, these uh, boilerplate questions. Okay. We all, we all can read the same set of books, Chan books, about the exchange between masters and pupils. We all have the same, we all read the same thing. So he used, so when he recounted the story to me proudly, he said, you know, he asked me five questions, okay? I will tell you today three questions, okay? Because the, the remaining two, I want to keep them secret for myself because I can't tell you everything. This guy's first stage, ah, okay? And he's trying to impress me. <laughs> so I, I, I naively listened to him so, 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 so uh, admiringly. I said, so what are the three things he, he taught you? So, so he, he said, this is what he asked of me. I said, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, that's, that's a Chan question. So immediately my mind says, yes, it's a Chan question, meaning it came from a Chan book. Because I know these people don't understand Chan yet. They don't get the Huato yet. There's no way for them to get the Huato. Okay, I know both of them. Both the teacher and the pupil. I know where they are. There's no way for them to get the, the Chan Huato. So they, they use the Chan questions to test each other. And this guy said, with that kind of question, this is what I answered him. And he was so proud. And he said, no, that's the wrong answer. If you understand Chan, you would, not never, would never answer that. So, so he went through the question number one, question number two, question number three, and he became increasingly confident, so proud of himself, how, how great his answers were. 
Remember, this is the first stage arhat guy. Okay, not bad. Are you kidding me? I never be welcome again. When you're desperate for donations and be accepted, you never do that. There's a protocol in our world. Okay. So, on the, by the time the third question, you know, he gave me the third question and the third answer. He said, "See, see how great, how great the answers are. The questions are so difficult to answer." And I told myself, I was about to, I was about to ask him for question number four. I know how to to, to get question number four. But I told Fukdu back then; she was still with me. I said, "He's all wrong." So, so I'm not gonna, I'm gonna, not going to force him to, to give me question number four and the answer number four anymore because he's off the wrong tracks. His teacher doesn't even know it. You know why? Because his teacher is, you know, is a level lower than he is. That's the problem with Chan books. You read a lot of books. It's uh, you can imitate the words, but you cannot, but you cannot penetrate the meaning. So that's why that's why you have nothing to be afraid of. You you run into a lot of people who quote you a lot of books, things from the books. They don't know what they're talking about. Nothing to be afraid of. I used to, used to scare me. Now I'm just as stupid as they are, so it doesn't bother me anymore. <laughs> but the Chan teachers, during, during, during that Chan, something, repate, repate. You Americans are atrocious with, with your French. Uh, with the Chan Repartee, uh, I tell you a secret about these things. Would you like to hear the secret? I have a few more minutes, that's all I have. Sure. Yeah. What is the secret about all these things? It's all nonsense. You know, you're not saying anything. Do you know that, Randy? It's all nonsense. That's why the Blue Cliff Record that documents all these, uh, these huato, the, the meditation topics, the cone and all these uh, huato topics, okay, these Chan meditation topics they need to investigate. Okay, and they say, this is a topic and this is how you need to understand, and this is how you need to look at it, and this is how, why, why the, the topic, why you need to, to ask about this. Or need to investigate this way. It's all garbage. Why? It's all nonsense. When during the interview, okay, what happens is that the teacher looks at you and recognizes where you are already. Okay? So his question, his or her question, is only to verify it. He only needs verification, confirmation. He doesn't actually have to ask you anything. Whatever you answer him only verifies your level. Okay? That is for you, unenlightened people. But between enlightened people, what happens? 
same thing. They don't need to ask anything. They don't need to say anything. So whatever they say is nonsense. You get it? That's my proof. This repartee between the Chan masters are nonsense. It's all about nonsense. So why bother? Because you have no reaction to nonsense. That's the secret. Even if it's nonsense, you don't react to it. Even if it's the most sensible thing, you still, still don't react to it. That's what the conclusion for, the, for today's talk. Non-dharma should be relinquished as well as non-dharma. When you become enlightened, whether it makes sense or it's nonsense, you don't react to it. This is what these enlightened people point out to each other. They verify to each other. Okay? Does it make sense, Randy? And that's why all these people who read Chan books and say, oh, this is such a wonderful story and this is such a beautiful or principle behind it. There's no principle behind it. Yes. I'm running out of time, folks. I'm, I'm, keep, I'm running a tight ship from now on. Yes. Yes. Guess who knows? We know. We don't say anything. <laughs> we say, oh, this is beautiful. <laughs> oh, you get so much. Oh, my goodness. My master, you're so wonderful. <laughs> because we all life is supposed to behave like that. It's called protocol. Yes? Yes, Thomas. Uh, is it possible that during, like when, say, the two masters are having a debate, it's not that the content of the words have a particular meaning, but the way that they have the exchange at that particular moment, they can still see something about each other? Yes, there something absolutely. I, can, I cannot make a, such a wide-sweeping statement. You're absolutely right. There are times where this, they make sense. Fundamental, fundamentally, is nonsense, but, some, but very often it makes sense. You know why? I'm running out of time. No more questions, okay? Yes? You know why? Hmm? Because enlightenment has many levels. It has many levels. So, when two enlightened masters meet each other, the the, the wiser teacher is still teaching the other person. So it's nonsense, okay? But actually, it makes sense to the other teacher, to the teacher, the teacher who's trying to teach. He's trying to point out to that person that he's still stuck here. Okay? 
But if they are at the same level, it's, too, it's sheer nonsense. There's nothing to talk about. Okay? Then it's nonsense. But it's different levels. One is higher than the other. There's a teaching that's being exchanged. That's why, for example, when Master Xu Yun saw Master Xuan Hua, okay? I can tell you that he recognized that Master Xuan Hua was enlightened. But he didn't know what Master Shrenoa was. This is my, that's my, that's my, my opinion. Randy, be careful, okay? When I say my opinion, I say, I'm not sure. So you should not, <laughs> please don't quote me. It's just my opinion, okay? He couldn't recognize the Master Shrenoa word. So that's why he said, you are thus, I am thus. He not, he's not trying to teach Master Shrenoa. You get it? The enlightened people, they never stop teaching. When they see you where you are, you say, ah, this is where you are. You have a problem here. I will help you. They always are trying to help other people. If they know more than you, they're trying to help you understand, unravel your knots. You get it? They never stop doing that. Okay? So, and they don't do that unless they don't, they don't, they're incapable of doing it. So Master Xu, I believe, when he saw Master Shenhua, he couldn't recognize who Master Shenhua was. So he didn't dare teach Master Shenhua. He says, yes, you are thus and thus. See, that's nonsense. He asked me, it's nonsense. He, doesn't have, he does not need to say anything. Then he has to say something, nonsense, for us to record it. Okay? Because otherwise, he would always be teaching. He would say, uh, ah, uh, uh, you're, uh, you forgot to uh, wear your pants, something like that. Okay? Any other questions? Okay, then we stop here today. Oh, let me finish this slide, if you don't mind. There's one more uh, w- a bullet here. And what we talked about is, is, is consistent what we're trying to talk about. Uh, point number three here in slide 209. Uh, because all these exchanges are to measure your reaction. Okay, remember the context of two enlightened people at the same level, that when they exchange things, it's about nonsense because there's no reaction to no matter what they say. Okay, that's the state of no thought. Get that, Roberta? You have no reaction because you have no thought. As long as you still get stressed out, then you have thoughts. Does it make sense? If you're stressed out, you're thinking too much. Yeah. So when you are able to suspend your thinking, that's when the wisdom light shines forth and you awaken.
okay any questions on the last uh, on the last uh, point number three Two ten. Oh, we're making progress. Okay, and then we finish uh, section number six. We begin section number seven next time. Thank you. Kinds of kindness above, in a threefold pass below. May those who see and hear all bring forth a body mind, and when retribution body is done, be all born a land of utmost bliss.